Heavenly Father, your word um, is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Please shine the light of your gospel into our minds and hearts and lives today as your word is read and then preached. Uh, please soften our hearts to truly receive it. Uh, encourage us in its truths and cause us to see and know you more through it, that we might trust you more and increasingly live lives that reflects your goodness and grace for the glory of Jesus in whose name. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the beautiful, marvellous word of the Lord. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone, and a happy new year to you all. This is the first Sunday of our new year, isn't it? And um, we're looking at this psalm. Uh, the psalm that was inspired, that inspired Isaac Watts to write that beautiful hymn, Joy to the World, which we all know quite well, I'm sure. And it's a psalm that's quite simple in its structure. Uh, you probably would have seen that as Maureen read that to you. It's a psalm that calls people everywhere to rejoice. Rejoice in what God has done in the past. Rejoice in what he's doing in the present. And rejoice in what he will do in the future. So let me start by asking you a question. Uh, what is it that brings you joy? What is it that brings you joy? What is it that will bring you joy in 2024? I suppose many things do bring us joy, don't they? Music can bring us a lot of joy. Our families, most of the time. Uh, friendship, uh, beautiful scenery. Landing that well-paid job probably gives us joy, doesn't it? Being successful in some way at school or at work or in a hobby, and we can get joy from serving others. Uh, we can get joy from being generous and hospitable. Often the simple things give us joy, don't they? You know, freshly baked bread, or uh, the sun on your face. Um, some of us get really excited when our team sort of kicks the winning goal. Many things give us joy, and God gave us actually life to enjoy, didn't he? He gives us all Many good things for our enjoyment. But now here in Psalm 98 we're told there's something that's really, really worth celebrating. Something that's not actually tied to our circumstances. Something that's far better and far more enduring 
than the fleeting joys of our lives. And this is cause, the psalm says, not just for us to celebrate, but for the whole world and all of creation to celebrate and sing about. In 1963, when I was just 10 years old, I know, I'm showing my age here and I'm old, uh, I remember Queen Elizabeth visiting Adelaide as part of the tour of Australian cities. And you can imagine the scene, I've got some pictures up there, uh, the police guard on horseback, the motorcade, thousands of people lining the streets, waving flags, cheering, eager to get a glimpse of Her Majesty. And the joy was palpable, wasn't it? It was noisy, infectious, enthusiastic. I'll never forget it. And Psalm 98 expresses that same exuberant joy. Listen to some of the verses. Sing to the Lord a new song. Verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Verse 6. Shout for joy before the Lord. Verse 9. Let them sing before the Lord. Why? Because the Lord has come. The king of the universe has come to set things right. You know, the world's a mess, isn't it? We can see that on our TV screens and we read the newspapers. War and conflict sort of ravages the nations. In poorer countries, so many people just struggle to live working hard out, long hours at hard labour just to keep sort of food on the table. They can't afford the things that we take for granted, you know, proper shelter and medical help. And yet, and in affluent countries like Australia, uh, including us, we have so much and yet we can be so anxious and unhappy, unable to cope with life, and so often resorting to drugs of one sort or another to escape. And all over the world we see, see that greed fuels injustice. And people abuse one another to get ahead. And there is grief and pain and sadness everywhere in our world. What a far cry from what God first intended when he made his creation. It was very, very good, wasn't it? But now the psalm tells us that the Lord has come. The glorious one, the loving and holy one, the only one who can set things right has come. That's what this psalm celebrates. This is what excites his people. And this is what should excite the whole world. And this is what will one day excite all creation. And the psalm gives us three reasons to celebrate his coming. The first reason is to be filled with joys because in the past, the Lord has shown his salvation to the world. What does that mean? Well, the psalm tells us what the Lord has done for us. Look at verses 2 and 3. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. The psalm, of course, is recalling the Exodus when God intervened for his people. Remember the people of Israel were sort of slaves in Egypt, subject to sort of hard labour, oppressed under Pharaoh, and God heard their cry and he liberated them with powerful miracles. And, and of course today the story of the Exodus is known throughout the world. It's been popularised by those movies, you know, 1956, The Ten Commandments, uh, The Prince of Egypt in 1998, and more recently, Gods and Kings in 2014. Almost everyone knows the story. 
the story of the ten plagues and the dramatic crossing of the Red Sea. And you know, in the middle of the, that story, uh, when the plagues, God was sending the plagues, he says, God says to Pharaoh, I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and note this, that my name might be proclaimed throughout all the earth. And that's exactly what's happened, isn't it? The Bible records this dramatic rescue event so that millions and millions and billions would know the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations, his love and faithfulness to his people. Fast forward a few thousand years from the Exodus and there's an even more dramatic rescue event, isn't there? In the cross of Jesus Christ, when the plagues of God's judgment fell on Jesus so that the miracle of salvation would come to the whole world and God could forgive us and accept us and make us new creatures fit for a new world of righteousness. See, what is salvation? Salvation is liberation from slavery, from bondage. Just as the people of Israel were liberated from slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt, so we are liberated from our bondage, our slavery to self-centeredness and sin. And all over the world, the message of the good news about Jesus and his liberation is going out so that for over 2,000 years now, God has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. Yes, this world is a mess. But the Lord of heaven and earth has come and he has shown his salvation to the world. And so the psalmist says that God's rescue is something that's worth singing about. Look at verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Can you imagine how, how it was when Israel came safely out of Egypt under the mighty rescuing hand of the Lord who destroyed Pharaoh's army in that Red Sea so that all Israel was saved from slavery and freed to live a new life. Can you imagine the euphoria of the people? The sheer exhilaration? Notice they had no hand in it at all. They were utterly helpless, utterly unable to save themselves. It was God's right hand. It was God's holy arm that had saved them. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. And today, of course, we have an even better song to sing because of what Jesus has done. In Revelation 5 verse 9, we get a glimpse into heaven and we see the elders around that throne singing a new song about Christ our Saviour. Listen to what they sing. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for, for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. See, this new song celebrates a brand new orientation, a brand new set of circumstances in my life and in the world. And isn't that just what we need today in our world? Things can't go on the same way, can they? Our lives, our world needs a brand new orientation, a new regime, a new approach. And everyone knows it. But it won't come through appointing a new set of political leaders. It won't come through the United Nations. That's not the hope of the world. 
No human leader will save us. But Jesus can and does. Sing a new song because Jesus has come. Sing a new song because he's paid for all of our sins. Sing a new song because he has set us free from bondage to self-centeredness. Sing a new song because he's setting up his kingdom in this broken world. So let me ask you, doesn't this excite you? Heaven is excited. And if you belong to Christ, you're actually a citizen of heaven, aren't you? And remember on Christmas Day, we looked at uh, Luke chapter 2, the story of Simeon, the old man, waiting for God's salvation at the temple. And Joseph and Mary presented baby Jesus, and he took the child in his arms, and he praised God and said, My eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Do you get excited by the salvation that God has worked for you and for the world? You know, we, we, we might get excited about our exam results or that new job or a new friendship or success of our team, and that's okay, that's good. But these things are nothing, friends, compared to what God has done for us in Christ. That's why when we come here on Sundays, we sing, don't we? Yeah, we do. We sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done not ordinary things, not everyday things, He's done marvellous things. So the first reason to rejoice is because in the past the Lord has shown his salvation to the world. And secondly, the, the psalm tells us we celebrate because now in the present the Lord is ruling the world. What is the Lord doing for us now? See verse 6. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Notice that he's the King. In other words, the Lord is ruling this world. You know, back in Isaiah 40, we have a prophecy of the coming king, which is quoted in in the Gospels about, about Jesus. And it says, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for him. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall be made plain, uh, become level, the rugged places are plain. And every reader in the Old Testament who would have read this, would have recognised this as the coming of royalty, the coming of a king, because whenever a king came, highways would be built, entrances to cities and towns would be paved, rough places would be smoothed over, for the king is coming. And all of this was meant to symbolise stability and security, symbolises healing and well-being for the people, because when the king rules well... The people prosper. Chaos chaos and anarchy is replaced with peace. Trouble gives way to calm. Conflict ceases. Society is healed. Hope is restored. And that is exactly what this world needs, what we need. Our world is a, a wilderness, a troubled place. It needs healing and peace and security. And too many people live without real hope. We need a king who loves us, someone who will rule over us with justice, Someone who will set things right. And there is no better king than Jesus, is there? The one who loved us and gave himself for us. The one who will set things right. The one who came not to be served, but to serve. The late Tim Keller often pointed out in his sermons how people are interested in the old stories and legends of the past. King Arthur, Hercules... Beauty of the Beast, Lord of the Rings, 
They're not, they're not true stories, they're just legends, but we like them and keep going back to them because they bring us a deep truth that resonates with our hearts. What truth? Well, no matter how bad things are, no matter how strong the forces of evil, good will finally prevail through self-sacrifice. A good king will finally come and rule this world and set things right. That's what the legends and stories tell us. And we say, yes, that's right, that's true. And the Bible tells us, of course, that this king has come and his name is Jesus and he now rules the world. And what sort of ruler is he? Read the Gospels. He, he brought a taste of heaven on earth, didn't he? Self-sacrificing for the good of others. Healing every disease. Teaching with authority full of compassion, gentle and humble, full of grace and truth. He is the king we need. But of course, not everyone recognises him as king. There are still many who would be king themselves, wouldn't, wouldn't they? Many who seek glory for themselves, even as we are tempted to do. St Francis de Sales once said, some men become proud and insolent because they ride a fine horse, wear a feather in their hat, or are dressed in a fine suit of clothes. Who does not see the folly of this? If there be any glory in such things, the glory belongs to the horse, the bird, and the tailor. <laughs> that is so true, isn't it? It's foolish not to acknowledge the king's rule because he places the stars. He owns the mountains and the oceans. He gives us life and everything we have. He holds all things together. He has all authority in heaven and earth. The nations are just a drop in the bucket to him. And his kingdom is coming into the world. And he calls everyone into it. And one day, as Duncan said earlier, every knee will bow and every tongue confess him as Lord. And to those who come under his rule, he is a shepherd who loves and treasures and protects his people and is leading them to glory. Isn't Jesus' rule worth celebrating? Listen to verses 4 to 6. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Notice it's the whole earth that celebrates all peoples of the world. And today, all over the world, more and more people shout for joy, sing this new song as he saves them and they come under his loving and good rule. And so Psalm 98 calls us to exuberant praise. And we need to ask ourselves the question, is that a feature of my life? I think, I think as Christians, we, we so often live sort of two draw lives. We divide our lives into two compartments too easily. The real life drawer is the one we live in most. You know, it's the drawer of everyday life, our jobs, our health, our meals, our friends, our leisure and money and so on. And this drawer sort of dominates our thinking and our doing and it's where we spend most of our emotional and physical energy. It's where most of our hopes and dreams are found or dashed. And the second drawer is our spiritual life drawer. All the God stuff goes there. It's the draw for Sunday services, for small groups, for giving Christian service and, and perhaps if we make time for family Bible reading and prayer. The problem is that if we live like this, 
or to the extent that we live like that, let me put it that way, our praise will be half-hearted, won't it? It will lack this joyful exuberance and our celebration of God's rule will be sort of weak and feeble. But Jesus is king over all of your life. If he's king, he's king over all of your life. He redeems your life and he watches over your life. He's involved in the details in your life, your work, your eating, your drinking, your leisure time, your money. You belong to him. And goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life because of his rule. So shout to jo for joy to the Lord. Burst into jubilant song. The Lord is king. So the first reason to be filled with joy is that the Lord has shown his salvation to the world. The second reason to rejoice is the Lord is ruling the world. And the third reason to celebrate is because in the future the Lord will come to judge the world. Look at verse 9. Let them sing before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and all the peoples with equity. Uh, well, what's good about that, you ask? We, we don't like the idea of judgment and being judged, do we? But notice, the psalm tells us that the Lord's judgment is something to sing about. Why sing about it? What does he mean? What will the Lord do for us? Well, simply this, there will be perfect justice. And that's something very good, isn't it? It's something we all want. See, when Jesus comes to judge, there will be equity for all people. No more injustice and greed and exploitation. There will be righteousness. All that's wrong and evil will be destroyed. There will be justice and truth, gone with dishonesty, lie, lies and fraud. And these are the things, of course, that are wrong with the world. Don't you want an end to the, the war in Ukraine and an end to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Don't you want an end to oppression and exploitation of the poor? Don't you want to see an end to the suffering around the world? So much suffering. Don't you want to see an end to the destruction of our planet by greedy men? Don't you want justice for the wrong that's been done to you? Of course we do. We all long for this. And in fact... The psalm tells us that the whole of creation anticipates this with joy. Look at verse 7 and 8. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. See, when Jesus come, came into the world, a choir of angels sang. Heaven itself rejoiced at what God was doing. He came for judgment then, didn't he? Not to bring it, but to bear it. To rescue humanity from rebellion and sin. And remember when Jesus entered into Jerusalem to go to the cross to pay for our sin, to suffer the judgment we deserve so that we wouldn't have to suffer it. We read in Luke chapter 19 verse 37, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God in loud voices saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And the religious leaders told Jesus to stop the crowd from singing that song. And remember what Jesus said? If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. That's how it was when Jesus came for judgment 2,000 years ago. There were glimpses of great joy in heaven and on earth at the coming of the king. Imagine what it will be like when he comes again to bring judgment, to bring about perfect justice. The psalm tells us, let the sea resound. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 
Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. And so the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, creation itself waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation itself will be liberated and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And all this will take place when Jesus comes again in glory to judge the world. Isn't that our ultimate hope, friends? Yes, we do what we can to make this world a better place now. We give to the poor, we help the oppressed, we strive for justice, we fight sin in our own lives because we are subjects of this king. But our ultimate hope is his coming as judge and we anticipate this with great joy knowing he will come and every day is a day closer to that great day when things will finally be put right. So let me finish. Psalm 98 gives us three great things worth celebrating. The Lord has shown his salvation. The Lord is ruling the world. The Lord will judge the world. Do you celebrate these things? Do you sing this song above every other song? If you're not a Christian here today, can I ask you to think about if what the Bible is saying is true? You need to find out if, if Jesus is really saviour, king and judge of the world. Because if it is true, there's no more important decision in your life than to accept him as saviour and king before he comes as judge. If you'd like to find out more about Christianity, then uh, we'd love to introduce you to him. Here at Trinity Victor Harbour, we regularly run a short course explaining the Christian faith and who Jesus is. Come and join us. It'll be fun, relaxed informative feel free to speak to steve our service leader one one of the pastors or, or duncan when he comes back or simply talk to one of the members next to you and if you are a christian if jesus is your king and savior i hope your soul sings about this every day it puts everything into a perspective doesn't it, it gives you a whole new focus for your life and direction See, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter who wins the text, test cricket or the tennis, exciting as that may be, or where you go for your summer holidays, or whether you, your job you have is, is good, better, best, or bad, or how comfortable you are, or even how healthy and wealthy you are. What really matters is that we have Jesus. And if we have him, we have everything. Even when we're going through really difficult times, we have great things to be joyful about. And the best is yet to come. One day the king will come again to set things right and we will be with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. In the final book of C.S. Lewis's Narnia series called The Last Battle, the children are riding on a train when they suddenly hear a loud, violent noise. And they're suddenly whisked away into Narnia. Now, this is an allegory, a, a story. Uh, Narnia is actually heaven, and Aslan the lion is, is King Jesus. So the children, along with a large number of people and animals, are walking deeper and deeper and higher and higher into Aslan's country, into heaven. Listen to how C.S. Lewis describes the scene. And he's such a great writer, isn't he? You might like to just close your eyes and, and listen to this as I read what he's written here. They found themselves walking, and what a great procession it was, up towards the mountains, higher than you can see in this world, even if they were there to be seen. 
But there was no snow on those mountains. There were forests and green slopes and sweet orchards, orchards and flashing waterfalls, one above the other, going up forever. The light ahead was growing stronger. Lucy saw that a great series of many-coloured cliffs led up in front of them like a giant staircase. And then she forgot everything else because Aslan himself was coming, leaping down from cliff to cliff like a living cataract of power and beauty. Aslan turned to them and said, You do not look so happy as I mean you to be. Lucy said, We're so afraid of being sent, back, sent away, Aslan. You have sent us back to our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? Their hearts leapt and a wild hope arose within them. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to say, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream has ended. This is the morning. And then the truest vision of both homecoming and all things made new broke in on them. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but th the things that began to happen after that were so great and so beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. But for them, it was only a beginning of the real story. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. May that be our song right through 2024, and in fact, until he comes again to make all things new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thrilled and filled with joy because our King has come, and he has brought salvation to the world and to us. And we rejoice that we are, by your grace and love, saved and members of his kingdom. Help us to see again each day the goodness of Christ's gracious rule in our lives and in the world and fill our hearts with a joyful expectation of his return when he will judge the world and set things right. Help us to bring this great and brilliant and wonderful news to those around us so that they too may join all creation in rejoicing at your salvation and all praise and glory and honour belong to you, our God for your loving kindness in all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.